Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of The Photo Show. Uh, so we have a, a few events coming up, a few things we'd like to talk about, right, Kai? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, there's a couple of topical things. So one thing uh, that are all time-based, so depending on when you're listening to this, uh, rush out uh, if you're in the New York area to see Thomas Roma's exhibition at Stephen Kasher Gallery. That's up until the 23rd of uh, this month of December. So... That's not to be missed. What else you got for us? So on Tuesday night, there's a panel discussion at the School of Visual Arts Photo Building at 214 East 21st Street. And that is from 630 to 9.30. Um, and it's a panel discussion uh, moderated by Lucas Thorpe on nonprofits and the arts. And one of their panel members will be Libby Pratt, director of Baxter Street Cameron Club of New York. Uh, and so... We just recorded with Lucas and Libby, and that will be in an upcoming episode, and that's in that, that, that beautiful theater that they've built for the SVA MFA photo, video, and related media program. And we'll, we're actually going to have a, quite a few more podcasts released from that space, because that is going to be the home base for the photo show. Yeah, we had a wonderful conversation with them also about nonprofits, so if you go on Tuesday night, you could get a sneak preview of that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what else is going on? Well, something I want to mention uh, for all of our listeners in the Florida area, <laughs> that would be the entire state, I guess. Um, <laughs> or they're on, going there for the holidays. Yeah, if you're going down to Florida, going, if you're going to be in the t near Tampa, uh, I will be giving an artist talk and book signing at the Florida Museum of Photographic Arts there in Tampa on uh, Friday, December 23rd as part of their Fourth Fridays program. That's right before Christmas, so hopefully uh, people will be ready to get out the door and come see something else. Uh, it starts at 5 o'clock, and uh, the talk will be followed with uh, book signing, and uh, should be should be nice to be there, and I'm looking forward to having a, a local Tampa, Florida audience see, see my book and see the work. Are you going to share that information through social media, on your website? or You know it. It'll be everywhere, <laughs> so I'll be get, get in the word out. Uh, they just made the press release, and so I'm going to be piggybacking on that. Okay. Soon. So we'll share that on the, the photo show's Facebook page as well, which is yeah. uh, facebook.com forward slash real photo show. And this event on Tuesday night will be there, too. And I, I believe you need to RSVP for that. Uh, the other thing that the photo show is doing, and I'll be doing this solo uh, on Friday night, uh, we will be screening uh, Martin Bell and Mary Ellen Marks' documentary, Tiny. This is uh, the revisited uh, documentary that just came out. And it's pretty exclusive. This will be, I think, the third or fourth time it's been shown publicly. It was shown Amazing. in San Francisco. It was shown at, at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, I believe. And there'll be an invite to that event as well on the Photo Show's Facebook page. Uh, but I'll be doing that alone because, Guy, you are going to be busy at Columbia, right? Yep, it's our undergraduate end of the semester exhibition that we have uh, in Prentice Hall every year. So uh, I'll be there all night uh, <laughs> doing that, which is fun. Yeah, but this is going to be a, a pretty interesting event because Martin Bell will be there to talk. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about childhood poverty as well. So it, we're, you know, we're expecting a, a pretty good crowd. Excellent. Well, speaking of Christmas, as I did and the last thing I mentioned, um, I think... I'll, all of you listeners out there who are, are a big fan of the podcast, and we've been getting some great feedback recently, you can all give Michael a Christmas present <laughs> and review this podcast on <laughs> iTunes. 
Yes. Apparently, apparently, without reviews, it doesn't get uh, it doesn't move up in the listings on Apple's iTunes. So uh, we're we're desperate to get a couple of people just to say how much they love it. Yes, please. Even if you don't listen through iTunes, just go on and give us a nice review, please. Yeah, there's also a rumor going around that uh, Donald Trump is going to cancel all <laughs> podcasts with fewer than ten reviews after Inauguration Day. So the time is now. Jump I- on it. I think it's for every new podcast that's put up, two will have to be taken down, something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so don't don't make the mistake of not going to review us on iTunes as soon as possible. All right. Well, anyway, uh, the, this episode is with uh, Justin Waldinger uh, of Tap and Die. And this is uh, an organization that, Kai, you introduced me to. Yeah, and that's Tap and Die, D-Y-E, not D-I-E. Of course, tap and die, D-I-E, being the uh, tap dance competition to the death. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I, part of the reason why we did this was I was desperate to go and see uh, Justin's workshop. He makes uh, beautiful camera accessories, uh, uh, mostly leather straps and uh, everything of the highest quality. And so uh, we got to go over there and just to walk in, the smell of the place and seeing the equipment. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, nothing beats a workshop. That's how I feel about my darkroom, right? You're constantly making improvements, incorporating new gear, and uh, it was wonderful to to get out there and to meet up with Justin. They just announced on his website, actually, that they, they made this tap-and-die legacy shooters enamel pen for $10. I ordered two of them. I, you know, <laughs> It's definitely one of the nerdier things you could get for someone for the holidays, but uh, I, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. No, it was a, a great conversation, and, and Justin's a, a really interesting guy. And, you know, one of those people who decided, I'm just going to make things myself and, and make my own way, left, uh, you know, a more lucrative business to start his own. And, you know, I just wanted to mention, we, we were recording at his workshop, at his studio. and so Right it, here in Bushwick. Yes, Kai's hometown. And uh, it, it, uh, it is an industrial neighborhood, and there were a lot of uh, industrial things happening at the time, and including uh, some truck that seemed to be stuck in reverse, and there's a little a little bit of a backup beep uh, going on through a nice. good part of the show. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, but anyway, it's it's not too bad. Yeah, well, you know, if, if uh, we start recording in places that are too sanitary, we're going to have to start uh, recording, like, out in the wild just to get some <laughs> noises to put in the background That's so that right. people believe that we're still recording here in New York City. Yeah, I'll just uh, walk around with a recorder in my hand, walking around the streets. Yeah. All right, everyone, enjoy the show. And we'll talk soon. I know. It's like everyone, like. Just think about J.D. Salinger. That's what I tell people, like same kind of pronunciation. Yeah, that works. Oh, nice. <laughs> that works. <laughs> oh, so uh, Justin, what got you into the, the business of um, making accessories for cameras and all? Um, well, I've always loved cameras. Uh, and that pretty much goes back to when I was young. My father uh, was kind of like an amateur enthusiast. Um, he had his own darkroom back in the day. So he always had cameras around the house. And I was always playing with them. Um, I actually was a product designer. That was my major in college. I did that for 10 years prior to starting the business. 
Um, so that actually definitely prepared me for what I was going to do later on, I thought. But initially, you know, after working so long in that field, I got burned out with it. And I just decided it was time for me to do something that I really loved. And that had to combine cameras and making things. Uh, so that's how Tap and Die was born. Um, it was essentially just a love of making accessories for cameras and the photography industry. So that's really, I really wanted to focus my efforts on doing that as opposed to like, you know, investing my time continuously for someone else. And, and were you always working in leather before that? Had you had a background in leather work? Uh, I didn't actually. I'm self-taught. Um, and luckily through the power of the interwebs, I was able to harness that knowledge <laughs> and through practice, you know, evolve it into something that people are responding to very well. Yeah, everyone. I mean, so if you read any reviews or people talking about uh, the straps, one of the everyone mentions the first thing is like just like the quality and the feel and the build. And I mean, like that's an essential part of it, right? Is that yeah. there's this, uh, this innate quality that just instantly comes out when you uh, you ship everything in these tiny little bags that you like with a red string and like, you know, you pull that out of there and you're like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> there's the, there's the smell of leather, of course, but then there's, you know, it, it instantly like the proportions, everything just like feels right from the beginning kind of thing. And you can tell that it's, it's not, uh, uh, you know, hasn't just been put together in a factory or something that a lot of personal touch and care went into the, the design and manufacture of it. Uh, thank you for saying that. Uh, I appreciate that for sure. Um, yeah, it's always great to hear that feedback from customers um, about that. You know, I mean, it's it's something that I take very personally. Uh, quality and craftsmanship is something that I'm all about. So I try to pretty much put that into what I do. You know, that's that's really the passion of it. Um, I can spend so much time on just one strap alone, but it I don't mind it because it's it's not work for me. You know what I mean? So it's. It's if you love something that much, you don't really mind doing it no matter how long it takes. And that's kind of like how I feel about this. I know that what I'm doing is I'm essentially the right path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what kind of production work were you doing before this then? What was the job that you you got tired of? <laughs> oh, so um, I was doing pretty much I was working in consultancies. So I was doing a lot of like packaging, structural packaging. And that could be anything from like. Uh, a water bottle to perfume packaging, anything with paperboard, essentially. And I was doing that for a long time. Last couple of years after working full time, I had done freelance work for a number of different clients, but it was the same type of work. And, you know, I just kind of came to this point where I was like, I, do I really want to do this like forever? And the answer was no. Was like <laughs> I, just, I it was essentially like I have to do something else uh, because I'm at that point where, you know, it was kind of like a crossroads. I was like, do I really want to continue on with this or do something that I really want and just see how it goes? So I, I took this on a whim um, and just started it up. You know, I, I initially wanted to find a strap for myself, but I couldn't find one out there on the market that I really liked. So I just decided, you know, hey, what the hell, I'll make one my own and just see. And uh, sure enough, some friends of mine saw it. I made them for them. And they were like, you know, you should go on the go on a limb and just see where this goes so that's what I did really and I had no real expectations I didn't know what it was going to become or how long it would last so four years later it's it's been going pretty strong did you have the idea to like maybe first just 
get into it a little bit, maybe put stuff on Etsy or something like that? Or did you go right from the beginning, like with the whole in? I'm gonna I went a new like website, balls out, yeah. like full on. Yeah. yeah. I, I figured if you're going to do it, you know, do it a hundred percent. So I set up a website. Um, I actually also am selling on Etsy too. I am. Um, but the majority of the sales do come from the website. So the traffic has been really good so far and the word of mouth is, has been spreading. It's been building up organically over the last few years, which mm-hmm. is great sending stuff to bloggers and having them review it and right. get the word yeah, out Yeah, I think too. I saw an early one was you sent, you just sent a strap or maybe a wrist strap to like Steve Huff and right, people right. like that, right? Yeah, and that was the thing. Like I was kind of like trying to garner and research, you know, on, on who to really pursue and to, you know, and to get the name, the brand out there. And Steve Huff was one of them for sure. And the photographer, Chris and all those guys, they really helped out a lot. So, I mean... I found out about it, I believe, through... Um, uh, Bellamy hunts uh, Japan camera. Yeah. Hunter. Yeah. Bellamy and I actually collaborated on a custom strap. Right. Um, it was an adjustable uh, JCH strap I did for him that sold out pretty well. Yeah. He's, you know, he's a great guy. But that's, I mean, I think that's kind of incredible is that you can, you know, a lot of people have an idea of like, oh, it'd be nice to make X, Y, or Z thing. And then you try to imagine, well, you know, how many of these would I have to make before I could get some large retailer to pick it up? Or how, how would I possibly turn this passion into a, a business that could actually sustain me? And prior to, you know, prior to, we've mentioned the interweb already for learning how to make things. But prior to that, even the getting a, a network together of marketing just to get the word out that you're doing something like this would be fairly difficult. I mean, you'd, you're going to go to like craft fairs or something. I mean, how would you do it without having you know, this uh, built-in system of people who are passionate, interested about similar things, finding out that you're doing something, right? Yeah, it's it's amazing, actually, that it's worked out so well. I mean, I think for the, for the information age, you know, bloggers and reviewers are key to this. Um, and also being there in person at trade shows and craft fairs also is a, is, a, is a huge step too. I know I haven't been there yet myself, but I'm not going to rule that out. I mean, pretty much most of the awareness came from just word of mouth on the net. But, you know, I have been invited to do some fairs as well. So I'm definitely going to consider doing that as well, just to, you know, even bring more awareness to the brand for sure going forward. I mean, you did it at a good time too, because we're we're in a kind of make-it-yourself, do-it-yourself economy right now with a lot of people, right. uh, especially in this 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 area, in Brooklyn, um, in New York City, uh, in, you know, all around New York City. And so there's also an openness to it, I think, a willingness to try things that don't have a big brand name, to try things that might not have a big, you know, uh, critical, you know, uh, a series of critical reviews or anything like that. And so people are willing to, they're looking for also something that sets them apart a little bit too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think people really respond to something that's handmade um, as opposed to being mass produced. Uh, and like you said, this last four or five years, there's been a huge resurgence in Made in America mm-hmm. and people are really responding to that, which I think is great for every you know small brand that's making their stuff here in the country. Because um, it's, it's, I, know, I know a lot of people who are in similar fields and and they all have to say the same thing it's like you know this this huge resurgence is helping us a lot uh and that's great and i think you know and that's now, something you forefront even on the website you yeah. talk about like where you're sourcing your materials exactly and- it's very transparent you know all my stuff i source from the u.s like all the hardware all the leather 
And I also say like on my page, you know, when you invest in me, you're also investing in these other vendors that I use because you're essentially buying into an ecosystem of manufacturers and suppliers. So everyone essentially benefits. Even if you support me, you're supporting these other brands as well. And and we're we're sitting in your your we're standing. In your, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Standing room only on the lack of chairs. <laughs> <laughs> we're standing in your workshop right now, in your studio right now, and it is a it's a small operation here, obviously, but this is where where all the design work happens. Yeah, this is where all the magic happens. Design and production essentially on this table and <laughs> that guy back there. You know, it's it's a table, not a person. You're yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, this, I actually moved into the studio back in April. Um, prior to that, I was doing everything out of my apartment. So I essentially had to get out of there because I was outgrowing it, essentially. And I needed, I needed my own private space to, to work and to also hire on new people, like, as I grew. So I think, you know, this space is definitely set up for that, for sure. Yeah, and we'll, we'll post photos of the space, if that's all right with you, Absolutely. Uh, when we post the show, so people know what we're talking about. Yeah, I have to confess that, you know, part of the reason why we're even here today was like, ooh, I want to see... Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wanted to see it. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to see the, the workspace, you know? <laughs> it's funny, like, a lot of... I get a lot of emails, too, about people who are, oh, you know, I'm going to be in the city. This, Factory this, tour. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, can I come by? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it's... That's, like, something you got to... Handle, handle too because I definitely don't want it to be like a habit where people are always yeah, knocking on here. the door like yeah, hey. like hey how you doing how's it going <laughs> um, but yeah I mean you know there are like the rare occasion where someone who is local buys a strap and they want to come pick it up and that's totally fine mm-hmm. um, honestly you guys are probably like aside from friends maybe like the third or fourth group of guys to come and visit the space yeah. One thing that kind of strikes me is that, I mean, you use the word brand, and of course, tap and die is this brand, but one of the things that attracted me to uh, even looking at the straps beyond, you know, how beautiful they looked online is that talking about photography, you're using photography and design to like help, help communicate what this stuff is all about. And, you know, the photographs, no, there's not a single like product photograph that's just like some generic thing of like you know the strap on a white background right like yeah everything is done with a certain level of detail which is then again in the detail of the strap so you know all of your photographs of the straps are you know it's they're camera porn a little bit but they're also like <laughs> against like the beautiful there's like always beautiful fabric in the background and there's like there's everything seems you know like you've put a lot of thought and energy into just talking about you know what is the brand what is tap and die and what are the things and that i think helps uh, suck people in and even walking in here and now into your workspace you know the walls have things there's it's a little bit of a a, a museum in a way to like the things that you care about right yeah uh exactly that's probably the best way you could put it yeah i i you know when i was going through and and, and looking at ideas for the shop you know everyone's doing the white background that's kind of like the standard but I was like, I don't know, I really wanted to show this kind of in more of a context that related to the brand and also to photography. So that's why I set it up and photographed it the way I did. And you touched on that, you know, very well. Um, and yeah, that's that's really it. I mean, I just wanted to, to just showcase it in a different way, really. Um, and, you know, so far it looks like people will respond to that for sure. Uh, and yeah, and the studio space is, yeah, I'm just getting started, honestly, because the walls are like, they're almost getting there, but I have a lot more prints uh, that I want to put up for sure and a whole lot more 
Nick yeah, Matt you mentioned stuff. right before we started recording <laughs> that uh, one, some of the prints on the wall behind us are from Joe Aguirre, who we yep. recently had on. So let's talk about photographers. You, you're friends with a number of photographers. I, you're a photographer yourself. So you started talking about your father being like an amateur. And this is in Astoria, I assume, in Queens? Yeah. Um, he, well, when he was like single, I guess, he was doing this a lot more. Uh-huh. You know, once, you know, he had the family at kind of flatlined <laughs> slow things so down yeah but uh my mom you know she would always tell me you know whenever when they were dating like she would go over to her to her to his apartment and you know he'd have the whole darkroom set up in the bathroom and you know film drying in the, on the shower rack you know like the whole mm-hmm. setup and you know cameras everywhere so uh that was kind of like back in his prime he was he was all about that but yeah i mean i love cameras i love photography i'm not like a pro but uh, I just love the the physical uh, involvement in it and the process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I learned the analog process of developing and printing. Haven't done it in such a long time, but uh, it's definitely something I want to get back into for sure because it's it's a huge part of of me and and what I love. Well, well, hunting around the uh, internet, uh, doing a little background research on you, I, I discovered your Instagram account, and yeah. it's a lot of your black and white photography, right? It is. Is yeah. that shot film or? Is- it's all film yeah. uh, with the occasional iPhone snap right. when I don't have my camera yeah. with me and I still want to take photos. Mm. You know, it honestly doesn't matter. People go on about the whole film and digital yeah. war. Uh, <laughs> that's never going to never, ever going to end. But uh, honestly, it's really all about the shot and the composition. You know what I mean? It's that's the heart of it. And you don't you don't directly tie that to the tap and die website or the business necessarily. Right. It, it's kind of you have to find it. Yeah, and I've been kind of like thinking about maybe tying that back into the brand. Um, a lot of people have suggested that I should do that. But uh, for now, it's definitely the personal account of all the work that I've done pretty much for the last six, seven years, which was all film work, essentially. Um, and it's just, you some know... street photography, some... Right? right, yeah, mostly primarily street um, with the occasional landscape. Uh, I have... A huge number of cameras here but uh back in the day i used to shoot a lot of large large format landscape work hmm. um so that's all up there too but i'd say the last two three years i've been sticking mainly with street i don't know it's just just going through you know all these old books that i have like you know gary winogrand's you know figments up there. Yeah, yeah the figments of the and From robert the frank yeah. the americans you know Vivian Mayer, all these great, great photographers are just like, ah, it's like fuel. It's just, <laughs> I look at them, I go through them, and I'm like, God, give me a camera, I want to just go out and just shoot. So, I mean, if, if you have that attitude, then, you, you know, you're on the right path. For sure. Did you have formal training then in high school or college? Yeah, or? in college, uh, I took darkroom. That's pretty much where I learned it. Um, and I miss it, honestly. There's a community darkroom not too far from here, yeah, actually. Yeah, let's say the Bushwick community darkroom. Yeah, I definitely need to go hit that place up because I have a lot of negatives I want to print. <laughs> they have, uh, through a series of events, they have the uh, old Columbia University color processor there. Oh, really? Yeah, we gave it to two grad students who started up a commercial darkroom in Queens nice. uh, over in Long Island City. And then when they got their landlord basically kicked them out because they were raising rent and everything, yeah. they donated it to the Bushwick Community Darkroom. So now nice. it's over there. 
Awesome. And that's a processor that Michael and I both used yes. when we were in grad school. So, <laughs> right on. Yeah, so things are traveling around and finding new homes. Didn't right? we also help them find a, a SciTech scanner at one point? Or did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. So. Yeah, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of labs are closing now in Manhattan. Um, I still go to one on 22nd, CRC Vista. Oh, yeah, those guys are They're great. pretty good. Um, but a lot of them like across the street, they shut down recently last year or two. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of, you're getting, your options are kind of running out. I know a lot of people are sending it to like Indie Film Lab and mm. those guys out, out there, but, um, and they do great work, but. Yeah. For uh, black and white. I mean, when you're doing black and white, there's no reason not to be able to do it yourself. It's yeah. so straightforward. Right? It's, it's yeah, totally. I encourage pretty much anyone who wants to get into film to, to learn to develop their own work for sure. Uh, it's very rewarding. I'm, I'm actually getting back into processing my own color again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Well, another thing that uh, when I was first, you know, paying attention to your website and looking into things was the fact that you involve, uh, you know, customers back into the process, right? So you're, you were, we're running it on your blog, and then I think now the blog is... Uh, streamlined into the Instagram account where yeah. you you know, people send in pictures of their beautiful, you know, straps and products on their cameras and then that you share that. And then people, I think people up the ante, like, Oh, I got to make a better photograph of my thing to put <laughs> up on there. Right. Yeah. Um, that's so true, honestly, because I think that that's a huge part of, uh, the draw too. uh, people see that Sometimes I'll do custom straps. Like I did one where I'm, this guy was like, hey, I have a pair of Doc Martens in burgundy with yellow laces. It's <laughs> like, can you make me a strap to match? And I did. And I was like, yeah, I can definitely do that. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, things like that where people see very custom one-off straps, they're like, oh, man, can you make me this? Like I saw this on your Instagram. I can't find it on your site. Like, can you make me one? And I've been getting that a lot lately, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it definitely helps to see, you know, customers submitting their photos because it also helps reinforce the idea of like, okay, this is like a legitimate brand. The straps are really nice. Like I should just go and take the plunge. (laughs) Yeah. And the other thing about it is it's all about going out and photographing, right? So there's like, it's not, uh, oh, here's this, you know, case to put the thing in and like look at it from afar. It's about, you know, let's get this thing out here and wear it in and make it, you know, get the patina because you're right. actually using it. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm all about that. You know, the brand is, you know, is, is leaning more towards this idea of, of heading out and shooting film. And I made a patch to describe that attribute. Um, one of the patches I made, you know, this kind of adventurous lifestyle where people get the strap, they get their cameras and their film or whatever, and they just go out and they shoot and have a good time. That's really what it's about. Um, and incorporating that too into the photos is definitely key. It's funny because like a lot of customers email me and they're like, oh, you know, well, I want to get a strap that doesn't scratch up my camera because, uh, you know, I want to <laughs> keep it in pristine condition, you know, which is totally fine. But, you know, I, I like me, I always am about like just it's a tool like scuff it up you know rough it up you know that's what it's meant for so for me like you know i don't do any bumpers no protective bumpers on my straps you know they're all metal so if it gets scratched it gets scratched you know i don't care but there are you know there is that demographic of customers that want to keep their gear in tip-top shape right do you have the softest uh, half skin (laughs) that i can put against the edge so to make sure will this key ring scratch at all no trust me get the bumpers you know if you don't if you're not if you don't want to be Cautious, like just do it. 
And that's totally cool. Often uh, students come in and bring cameras that they got from their parents to, that are taking our photo one classes. And there was that era of like 1970s, maybe into 80s straps that looked like uh, looked like they came off your father's guitar or something. And right. Straight onto yeah. the camera. And they always had like three to four inches of different metal interconnecting things that are like beating the shit out of the camera. Yeah, right? They, yeah, they look like, like belts or something. Yeah. 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 And, uh, but you know, this Elisa strap, I guess I have a legacy strap that I have on my Leica 3F and the way that the ring, oops, the way the ring goes and connects to the leather, it's pretty much protected. I mean, it's, it's nice and, uh, has a nice edge and finish to it. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the legacy straps are, that name was kind of like a homage to the old, you know, German style straps, you know, from the fifties and sixties. And essentially, you know, this is my kind of design and take on that, um, which is why they look the way they look. But, you know, the more higher end products I have, which are all hand stitched, you know, a lot of people go for them because of the lack of hardware. Like Mm -hmm. the the less metal they see, the better, (laughs) you know, and that's totally cool. But uh, the the Horween straps, which are the premium ones, are also very, very soft. And they're a lot more flexible than the regular VegTan ones. So that's also something that that draws the customer in for sure. The breakability aspect is kind of important too. Like they don't want something that's too stiff and it'll take too long to break in. They want something that's kind of ready to go and and roll. Right, it's like buying the acid wash jeans or something. Exactly. (laughs) Or a nice pair of shoes. Right, you know, like you buy a pair of selvage denim, you're gonna have to wait a whole year to break those in. So, you know, people won't want to do that. But you may have just answered the question. I mean, your choice of material, because you know, for, for the longest time, the trend was towards these very kind of um, combination of uh, polypropylene or polyester and um, flexible, you know, silicone or rubber materials that you know, give a lot of bounce to the camera to relieve the weight and the stress and things like that. And, and you just said that, that you were paying homage to the straps from the 50s and 60s, which were almost all leather at right. that time, right? And yeah. So that, that was a big part of your going the other way, right? Go, right? Going back to more natural materials. And exactly. Things. Yeah. I mean, I, being simple and straightforward and just something that doesn't call too much attention and just gets out of your way and allows you to go out and photograph and shoot without, you know, thinking about it, without being a second thought. That's really the essence of it, of the legacy straps. And how did the idea of making these patches come about? It, you know, it's just something like I, I have been approached uh, about making patches from a lot of different people. Um, and it's, like the patch trend is now in a huge thing. Like a lot of people are doing it. So, I mean, I, I'll admit, like I jumped on the bandwagon and decided, <laughs> okay, let me see if I can, you know, whip something out and see how people respond. And one of the things I did initially uh, before the Adventure Series patches were the Legacy Shooters patches, mm-hmm. which were essentially kind of like a, a sub-brand of the Legacy straps. Essentially, yeah, you've got one on your yep. bag right now. I'm holding up my bag. <laughs> He's got a Series one. 2 one. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah, so those guys were essentially kind of uh, a partner to the strap, and they kind of carry that, capture that essence of the brand, something that you can put on your bag or hat or shirt, wear with you while you go out and photograph. And essentially, that's how that was born. So I've done three limited edition series. I'm working on the fourth now. And they've been the huge, a huge win for sure. I mean, a lot of people are asking, like, you know, when's the next series coming out? Uh, so it's it's been very popular. Like, I only do limited editions of 250, so and they sell out pretty quickly. But yeah, it's I don't know. Like, hopefully the patch trend continues, and 
you know, that builds, but you know, you never know. We just need denim jackets to come back <laughs> in and then it'll be like, there'll be no end. Like, now it's complete. <laughs> Get out the bleach, you know, yeah. customize and put on your tap and dye. You know, someone's thinking about that right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <It's> like, hmm. <laughs> Do you see a resurgence? I mean, I'm wondering how much of this is in the zeitgeist or that, um, like I think of, uh, uh, best made company, you know, those guys. Yep. And, uh, I, you know, I, even coming in here, looking around, you got their first aid kit. Oh yeah. Which right. I have used by the way. Oh, okay. it's not there for a prop. <laughs> yeah, it's not just a prop. Yeah. I have cut myself a number of times. And there it is. <laughs> but there's, I mean, I think that there's this, and I even think of like everyday carry that website, everyday right. carry there's, there is something about I don't know, like a ruggedness kind of energy of the way people are, you know, looking at things and talking about these products that sure. draws a certain person in. Right. Like certainly, you know, hits uh, hits a lot of bells for me. I'm like, I'm thinking, you know, I've got a drill press milling lathe machine set up in my little dark, you know, my little uh, apartment in here in Bushwick. And right. when I see something that looks like it's handmade and looks like it's going to last and looks like it wasn't, you know, cranked out in China, it, you're just instantly drawn to it. You want to, you almost want to have an excuse to use it or something, right? Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Um, and a lot of that, I think a lot of that too resonates with, with the customer base. They definitely want, they see something that's, that's made here in the U.S. and that's high quality. It's, it almost feels like, like you said, like they have to have it because it's just like a reflection of, of, you know, how things used to be made here back in the day. And, the fact that it's now becoming another resurgence, another movement, if you will, uh, I think is a great thing. And I think people will really respond well to that. They, they definitely want to support the companies and the brands that are making these things because they know they're going to last them. You know, why spend a few money, a few dollars here on something that's cheap and quick? You know, you pay the premium for something, but it's going to last you a long time. And in the end, it's the, it's the smarter choice, just economically. So, so what is the, the process like? You said you were, you moved here so you could also hire people. And so how does it work? How does it go from start to finish? Um, well, as far as like making a strap the day to day or it's coming up with an idea, thinking about the design, testing it out. So yeah. So the initial process starts with a sketch and this is where my design background comes into play. Uh, because that's really the heart and soul of it. It's really starts with a sketch something that I've all too familiar with just based on my previous background, uh, you know, coming up with the designs for these straps and also other accessories, which I'm working on right now. You know, I have a couple of field note pads that are just full of sketches and ideas and, um, I'll just kind of doodle them in my notepad, you know, whenever the, an idea comes, but, uh, I'm, because I'm really hands-on, I, I kind of tend to go straight to making it first without even drawing. Um, because that's just how my mind works. I'm like, it comes in my head. I'm like, Oh, let me just make it like, <laughs> don't even draw it. You know? So that's, so the whole process gets, you know, evolves from there. Like once I start seeing something physically in my hands, then I can judge and refine much better than, you know, just sketching it out because you really need to work with it in person in order to understand it a lot better. Uh, and that's just because of the way I was taught as a designer. That's just, you know, my natural instinct. Mm -hmm kicking in so that's essentially how I work and so from there you know once I build something I'll test it out myself like I'll go out to the street with my camera test the strap uh, and just see how it performs you know whether I need to make it uh, a lighter weight 
or you know refine the placement of the key ring or the bumpers or things like that like all that like I do essentially the focus group testing is kind of starts and ends with me because <laughs> nice. um, I've done focus group testing in the past but you know it's I'll also like get some friends too. like I'll give them a sample and say hey go out use this and give me your thoughts you know what I mean so that's that whole process is still integrated into this it hasn't lost it at all is that partly how you came about with uh, making the the newer straps that were are like that wrist straps that were out of a softer material and yeah because um you know initially when i started the leather was very very thick and it took much longer to break in and i knew just after testing it like i have to make this lighter just because it's just going to be I know people are just going to be like, wow, this is way too thick. Uh, and I didn't want them to, to do that. So I right away, I was like, okay, I got to cut this down to a lighter weight. Uh, so through that whole process of refinement, I got it to a weight now where it's pretty much just perfect, where the break-in time is very minimal, like once you receive it. Uh, and it's, it's, it's been received very well from the previous batch that I used to make when I first started. Like I've had customers come back and tell me this like hey you know your new straps are great they're a lot more flexible they're a lot more breaking and you know just stick with that and i was like okay perfect <laughs> thank you that's all i needed to hear. what what form of feedback do you get is it emails through the website uh blog responses things? uh primarily email um you know like right now the lead times are about three to four weeks for a strap um which is kind of long but the fact that people are willing to wait uh, is also a huge testament just, I think, to the, to the quality of the straps. And, and when people email me and say, hey, you know, it was totally worth the four weeks, then that's the win for me. That's nice. Yeah. 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 And is that part of your design philosophy? Like you want to make them per order or is that just you're backed up and you, you've got that many <laughs> per orders you can't possibly get them? Pretty much. Like yeah. I'm at a point now where I am kind of backed up, but I'm slowly like getting up to up to date with everything which is good but you know earlier this year i was i was a, i had a huge lead time like five to six weeks so i'm still back to three to four but i i want to reduce that even further um and that's going to come along with you know bringing on some people and some machinery that help to help that process because i really don't want people to wait as long now as they are you know what i mean it's it's I mean, I'm glad that they're, you know, they're very responsive and, you know, they're very patient, which is great. Um, and they know, like, they'll say, oh, I know, don't worry about it. You know, good things take a long time to make, you know, which is definitely a good response to get from a customer. Yeah, that, that means they, tr they trust you're doing the right thing. They trust they're going to get something that yeah. they were hoping for. I was just reminded, I was looking down at my watch, I was reminded of a funny thing that happened last year. And I don't know if you remember this, but... Uh, you had just posted a photograph on Instagram that was of your camera, two rolls of cine film, and something else. It was like all these things. And, uh, but the thing was you had a Seiko 5 watch, the exact same oh, wrist yeah. watch I had. And, oh, you nice. had, and, you had, and it was like a Leica. I was like, wait a minute, this is like my exact setup. And so within like a 45 minutes or whatever, I set up the same looking kind of photograph and sent it back, you know, posted oh, yes, it back yes, on I Twitter. Oh, yes, I that now. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like Companiero. You know, I was like, <laughs> so. That's crazy. Yeah. I love that watch, by the way. It's, yeah, it's, it's such a, it's such a Seiko makes such reliable, solid watches. They're hard, like for the price too. The price points like right on target for sure. Yeah, no, I spent a lot of time researching and trying to find like 
an automatic that was durable yeah. and wasn't, you know, an old one that was going to be, you know, five thousand dollars or something right, ridiculous right. you know so seiko yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. brought to you by tap and die and seiko yeah. why not but i've actually had uh customers like say oh you're gonna make watch straps too now i'm like hmm that's an uh, idea yes that's definitely that's in idea. the pipeline wow um, yeah you said you had a book full of sketches uh anything else you'd like to uh <laughs> Still a uh, top secret. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Double secret probation classified. Yeah. Get the book. Get the book now. <laughs> Get the book. <laughs> While he's not looking. Yeah. In the R&D lab. That's yes. right. Uh, was it a conscious effort to move from uh, Queens to Brooklyn, or was it just simply where you could find space? Because uh, there is like... I mean, we're, we are here. I mean, we are here in Bushwick and right. you know, Bushwick. I just, I'm just wondering the, the unconscious effort to. Oh, well, yeah, yeah right. Well, I mean, like Bushwick Open Studios was in this building we saw coming up. And yeah, you're not moving you know, to a lower rent neighborhood, right, or anything. Yeah, right? I mean, like you're, you're, you found a, a great space to work in, but you're also you move somewhere where there's, a, you know, a potential community and everything else, right? Was just that, in this building alone, right? Yeah, there are a lot of makers, a lot of visual artists uh, here on the in this hallway alone um the third floor is pretty much all studio space um the second and first floor are still separate companies altogether Mm. um but yeah essentially like this studio was pretty much the best space i could find uh for the price point like i wanted to keep my overhead pretty low didn't want to go overboard with it uh so i looked in long island city i spent half a year pretty much looking for a space wow uh i don't know like countless studios i visited Nothing was remotely as big or nearly as, you know, cheap, essentially. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the spaces I saw in Island City were, you know, maybe half the size of this and, and almost double the price. So it, it was just like, okay, this is not going to happen in Long Island City. I got to go look at Brooklyn, see what they got. And I was fortunate to stumble upon this company that had a space uh, open up on the 1st of April. And uh, it was before... You know, they painted it. It was a pretty rough looking space. Um, now, now it looks like it's been really renovated nicely. Yeah, they did a great job on it. Um, tribute to New York Studio Factory uh, to give them a shout out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. And you've got a window and glass bricks. Definitely, yeah. window is key. Did not want to work in a windowless room. Oh my uh, God, yeah. Definitely a window has definitely morale booster for sure and you have a nice picture of it on the website too you see the bench and all the tools and then the window in the background and yeah you like to, i mean that must i'm sure when the people are like waiting for the three or four weeks it's like a comfort to think of <laughs> there you are you know standing there and yeah I, stuff I, I do make it a point to post uh you know little teaser shots of the studio space on instagram and i also have a shot of the space on the website too under the info section um just to give them like a sneak peek into you know where I work. I think that's, they appreciate that for sure. Um, you know, it gives them a level of transparency and, and trust, I think, you know, which is hard to come by nowadays with certain mm-hmm. companies. Um, they know where it's being made. They know it's just me making them. So, you know, it's, I think they, they really appreciate that. Yeah. So, uh, where are you from? <laughs> I was born and raised here in New York in Astoria. My father was also born and raised here. My mom grew up in Ireland and was born and raised there so and what did your folks do so my dad actually was a commercial artist he actually worked for dc comics for 20 years wow yeah wow, amazing he was a production artist uh worked with bob kane all the other old school 
uh, comic book artist back in the day, like back in the golden age. And then after he left, he kind of did freelance, you know, working for a huge number of graphic design firms. He passed on 10 years ago. Hmm. Uh, my mom is retired. She was a school teacher, essentially. And uh, that's what she did for most of her life. Uh, I got two brothers. One's a lawyer. The other one's a medical illustrator. Hmm. Um, and me, I am doing this. <laughs> Are you the youngest? Or the I youngest? am the youngest, yep. Yeah. Youngest of three. And so when you, you left the secure job, uh, <laughs> what did they think? Uh, they definitely... My mom was like, uh, are you sure you're doing the right thing? You know, there's always that, that hesitation and uncertainty of, of going off and doing your own thing. And I think it's expected, especially with parents, because they just want the best for you, but they're concerned. And, you know, I, I took that with a grain of salt. I'm like, you know, just trust me. I have a gut feeling about this. I think it's going to turn out okay. Uh, so is your mom still in Queens? Did you say that? Yeah, she okay. actually doesn't live too far from where I live. Um, nice. So yeah, she keeps in close distance and the occasional pop over <laughs> unannounced sometimes. <laughs> Which can be a drag depending on the situation. Really, <laughs> now tell her you love her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, let her go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So well, one uh, day you'll tell her about. Don't worry, the tap and die four hundred one k has been established. Yes, you know, you're like, taken care of. Yeah. You're good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, everything's um, coming together. I actually had her doing some stamping for me initially. Oh, uh, do you have pictures of that? Uh, I wish. I, no, she hates being photographed. Ironically. Um, yeah. No. Uh, when I first started out, like she's, oh, how can I help? How can I help? So I, I was like, oh, you can start stamping these these tags. And I'm like, okay. So I actually had her on the payroll for a while uh, until I took over myself. But, um, you know, it's <laughs> just having that is even the little work she did was a huge help. But, you know, yeah. uh, she's like fully 100 percent committed now and behind me. So oh, very that's nice. great. Any plans for making uh, non-leather straps? Uh, I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely exploring uh, some wax canvas leather accessories right now. So I definitely there is the whole vegan crew out there. Yes, know? yes. Even though there are. even though we're <laughs> shooting with you know our gelatin film and everything, it's like well you know yeah yeah, yeah or environmental ruining chemicals. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I I have been approached actually by some our vegan friends looking at you know alternative strap designs for sure, but. Wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, when you, I mean, when I first walked in here, you get, there is that, there is something about the smell of leather, the way, I mean, the leather that's been, you know, finished and uh, you walk in here and there's that smell. It's the same smell when you pull the strap out or the same smell when you open up the box of new leather that's shoes or whatever. That's good that you can smell that because I'm like oblivious to right. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. sure you don't smell it. Yeah, you'd have to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a ton of leather in the back here. Um, got some more on the way. So I'm always stocked. Definitely don't want to be in a situation where I have zero leather. And there's also this a little bit of a, an old world feel to when you look at some of the tools and some of the equipment. And then, of course, there's the modern equipment in here as well. Yeah, um, most of the tools are old school, like Osborne tools, which are made in New Jersey. You know, they've been making tools for leather craft for almost 100 years. Uh, so those are kind of like my go to my go-to tools, so to speak. I still use those on a daily basis and continue, will continue to use them for sure. They're not gonna be retired anytime soon. 
And there's uh, something about those those tools. They're just, they're beautiful to look at. Yeah, as well. exactly. I mean, they're all hand forged too. Like yeah. you know, someone took the time to make them by hand as well. Which you know, being uh, an advocate of handmade, I kind of have to buy them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <of course. laughs> Using the handmade tool to make the handmade product so people can go out and make their handmade photographs. That's right. <laughs> All the way down the line, right? Circle of life is complete. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, was there anything we missed? Anything uh, about the business? Anything about your, your future plans or your, you wanted to mention? I don't know. I mean, I think the way things are going right now, they're definitely, uh, they're definitely good. I mean, like... The summer was very busy. September was a little bit slow, but now the fall's here and it's starting to pick back up again. Um, I'm actually about to release some new straps pretty soon. I have two prototypes right behind you. Oh, um, gonna look at top those secret. Later. <laughs> but uh, look for those next week because they'll be launched. So yeah, like I'm actually in the process now of getting a few things made through some very close sources uh, who can take on the workload that I can't right now. But they're all you know, great you know, USA made factories that uh, do great quality work and they're kind of maybe going to be like a sort of partner to me. You know, essentially if I can't do it myself, I'll offload that to them oh, okay. yeah. to help out. And then that way that'll free my time up to concentrate on this stuff while, you know, I can actually take the time to design other yeah, accessories. When, when I walked in, I actually didn't know all the production was here. Yeah. I, I thought this was primarily a design studio. It's yeah. design manufacturing as well. Yeah, so I make everything here. Everything is made and shipped from this studio. And yeah, and it's just like, you know, it just got to a point where I really couldn't take on designing and making anything else right now because the, the order queue is still backed up. <sighs> and I don't want to dig myself into a further hole. So right. um, definitely got to keep that in check too when you're coming up with new things. You also have to look on... And, you know, hiring people is definitely going to be on the list for sure. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, things like that are definitely in the pipeline. Um, so, it, I mean, it's, it's gotten to a point where the growth is starting to happen. And, you know, hopefully that will continue. And, yeah, it and sounds keep like on. good problems to have. Yeah. yeah, definitely a good problem to have for sure. Um, so I, I can't complain, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Justin, it's great to be able to come and see the setup. I mean, I'm... Just to describe it to the viewers, like I look over to the left and there's a table set up and all your rubber stamps are very nicely <laughs> lined. And station. Like, yeah, the packing station's <laughs> ready to go. We've got our microphone set up on the table that's covered in those Alvin cutting boards, those self-healing boards. And then over to the right is, how do you pronounce that name of that bench? Oh yeah, Schoberg's. Schoberg's, uh, It's yeah. a really awesome birch made bench, solid wood. Um, that's kind of like the stamping and cutting table uh pressing is done on there all the hardware for assembly is done on that table yeah and then um, you've got this very fancy new die cutting adam die yeah, cutter i just got this guy on wednesday and hopefully he'll be up and running next week um but he's going to be a big help as far as uh speeding up production and right behind you you've got a sewing machine um which is also going to be uh, put to good use. Um, Beautiful old singer. You see over here was made on it. Oh, wow. Um, that's one of the things I'm working on in the pipeline. So, you know, bags are definitely in the future for the brand, for sure. Beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful space. Thank you very much for inviting us in. Thank you guys yeah, for coming thank here. You. It's been it was great. great. Yeah.